talking about witnessing. Which, after all, is a commandment from Jesus that we're all called to undertake and is therefore... uh, Am I too close? All right. And is therefore a priority for all Christians. Looking around, I, I feel that I may be preaching to the converted, but from my experience, it doesn't harm, uh, do any harm to go back to basics on occasions. I remember asking a Christian friend about what it meant to him to be a witness for Christ. And we found it easier to agree on what it wasn't. It wasn't the idea of saying a prayer or talking about our church and what we did there and about our being saved. We both agreed that we needed to become true disciples rather than just followers of Jesus. Our desire, deep down, was to be more like Jesus in every way. And I suppose that goes for most of us. But as to witnessing effectively, we both needed to shape up in that area. So, question, are you a disciple of our Lord or just a follower? Let me remind you of two passages They record the last words of Jesus while he was here on earth. The first we call the Great Commission. It's what we're to be, to be about as Christians. Jesus told his disciples shortly before he left them, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then the very last thing that Jesus says just before he ascended to be with his Father, we read in Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before them, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus said that if we are serious about being his followers, what should concern us is not how nice a church we have, what sort of building we have, or what songs we sing, but we should focus on being a witness, telling what we know to be true to others so that they also would want to become disciples and true followers of our Lord. So how good a witness of Jesus and his gospel message are we? This sort of witness is not mission work as we understand it. We often like to give an excuse. 
We give our money to missionaries because they are really witnessing for Christ. Yes, they are. But that's not the plan Jesus had for us. Jesus wants each of us to be his witness in our daily lives, whether you, whatever you are doing, wherever you are. We are each to look for ways to testify about what we have learned to be true. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus gave this call to his followers to be witnesses. And they basically said, yep, that's great. Let's pray that God sends someone else to go. And they all stayed in Jerusalem. Then in Acts 8, we see that God allowed great persecution to come on the church. And as a result, almost all the Christian followers of Jesus left Jerusalem and were scattered throughout the Middle East. Acts 8.1 says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They simply didn't want to leave their comfort zones. But once things became uncomfortable in Jerusalem, they left. Paul had a ministry to the Gentiles, largely starting new churches in Turkey. But Peter had a ministry to the Jews. And the first letter he writes was to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. Peter is writing to these Jewish Christians who had been scattered because of persecution. And Peter is reminding them that even though they have faced difficult times, they still have hope. He says that even though we may suffer through all types of trials in life, we have a living hope. And what is hope? It's not just wishing that things turn out okay. No, the biblical idea of hope is confident expectation. We can count on what the future holds because of who God is and what he has promised. Peter says that even when we are struggling in life, we hold on to hope. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter says we also have hope because we have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. We have hope because God is shielding us by his great power. In verse 13, we read, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? We see we have hope because Jesus Christ promised he is coming back for us. Jesus said in John 14, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me 
that you also may be where I am. And in light of this wonderful hope, we have Jesus with us in the midst of life's trials. Peter says it should affect how we live, and because we have this living hope, we need to grow spiritually. He tells us that we need to live our faith in full view of everyone. But then in chapter 3, Peter reminds us that even if we live a godly life, things may not always go well for us. Now some Christians get the idea that we just love Jesus and we'll have a good job, plenty of money, friends galore and a loving Christian family. But the truth is often just the opposite. Sometimes we can do everything right in following God and yet we suffer in life. So Peter goes on to give us some help. When we face those difficult times, he writes in verse 14, But even if you should suffer from what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Peter says, even if we suffer, we are blessed. Now, how can that be true? How can it be a blessing to suffer? Peter knows that life is not just what we face here on this earth. Indeed, we who follow Christ believe wholeheartedly that one day God will set everything right. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, the great faith chapter of the Bible, we see that all throughout history, followers of God faced adversity. But they rejoiced in the knowledge that God would one day set things right. History is filled with believers who suffered for their faith. And the constant source of hope for them was that one day God would set everything right. And the author of Hebrews reminds us that they, together with us, will one day enjoy all that God has prepared for us and for those who love him. Peter knows that even when we try our best to live a godly life, there will be those who seek to cause us trouble. People will mock, insult, make fun of us, and try to intimidate, slander, and do all kinds of mean, insulting things if you try to live like Jesus and 
like Jesus said. And Peter reminds us in verse 15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Now what does that mean? I believe it means, who are you going to fear? Those who are out to intimidate you, or God, Jesus said in Matthew 10, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Do we really believe that God can use us to be his witnesses? Yes, because that is God's plan. He wants to use us to be that witness to others. And when we start talking about our faith, we must expect that others will have questions for us. Peter goes on to say, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. To give the reason for the hope that you have. Why do you believe the Bible to be true? Why do you believe in God and heaven and hell? Why not just live it up and do whatever you feel like doing? We need to be prepared to answer why we believe what we do. Peter says we are to be prepared to give a reason for our hope. He goes on to say, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We are called to live our lives daily in such a way that others are pointed to the truth of God. And that is one of the key ideas about our witness. Being a witness for Jesus doesn't mean that once a week for an hour or two we pick up our Bible and start going door to door telling people about God's love for us. Rather it's the idea that every day wherever we are we live in such a way that when we speak about Jesus people will want to listen to us because they've been watching our lives and they see that we live out what we are telling them. The only way we will be truly effective witnesses is by living a consistent testimony before those we are around. I came to Christ exactly that way. I remember my first real words of wisdom. And as a result of having a Christian friend who lived differently to the way others lived, just by his words, his demeanor, his manner, his love and concern, I found he was so refreshing a person to talk with. No beating me senseless with quotations from the Bible. He lived as Christ-like a life as I have ever witnessed. I shared what I'd witnessed to another friend, which, on reflection, 
unwittingly, was perhaps my first attempt at witnessing. I recall vividly what I said. It was, I don't know what he's got, but I want some of that. And I believe that was all that Jesus needed to hear. So remember these three basic rules when witnessing. First, be gentle. One danger Christians can be guilty of in their enthusiasm is coming across as being brash, harsh, forceful. Because we know we have the truth. Sometimes we can be arrogant. We can be a pain to the unsaved. If we're going to seek to be a good witness, first we need to be gentle with others. Secondly, show respect. Don't belittle non-Christians. If someone doesn't believe in God, never make fun of them. If you belittle them, that will just cause them to put up walls that will keep them from hearing you out and more importantly, they will miss hearing the gospel message. And thirdly, live a righteous life. Peter says, keep a clear conscience. Don't tarnish the name of God by saying you believe one thing and then living another Yes, we all sin. We all have areas where we struggle. But we want to do everything we can to live in such a way that when others look at our lives, they wouldn't think about slandering us because they know that no one would ever believe them. You've heard the expression, they won the battle but lost the war. We never want to get to that point where we seek to win every confrontation. Instead of winning arguments, we want to see lives changed. When we constantly, consistently live out our faith on a daily basis, others will notice and they will ask why we live the way we do, why we believe what we believe. And when we're prepared to give an answer and give that answer in a gentle, respectful way, God's Spirit can work through us to bring others to faith in Christ. My friends, never underestimate what people see and remember of you. You don't have to browbeat them with biblical references. Just live the Christian life and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Then it will only be a question of time before they too will want what you've got. Jesus will do the rest. And after all, isn't that what witnessing is all about?